0: Welcome back to another episode of PhD Divas. This is Zain Yao. And this is Liz Wayne. And thanks for tuning in on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. So at, for the sesquicentennial of Cornell, they put up this monument on the hill that commemorates um, a lot of major events in Cornell past history, such as the arm, taking, arm takeover of Willard's Strait, which um, led to the creation of the Africana Studies Research Center, uh-huh. the protests against Vietnam, the protests against, uh, for divestment from uh, apartheid South Africa. But even though Cornell's celebrating this past tradition of struggle, um, there's been also a lot of re- recent protests in the last couple of weeks that haven't gotten the same type of support. And so if there was the, a die in for Black Lives Matter, there was uh, support for Dream Cornell undocumented students at Cornell, there's mm-hmm. also another protest for May Day that shut down part of the streets for International Workers' Day. Mm-hmm. And yet we see that um, the administration continually seems to ignore or dismiss. Uh, current protests while valorizing uh, a conveniently far away history of, of protests that look good in retrospect. Mm-hmm. And so um, I remember, for example, for the Black Lives Matter rally, I only really found out about it like maybe like a few hours before because there was a lot of concern right now about uh, student protests being shut down at Cornell and this has been covered by Huffington Post as well, as well as other news outlets that student organizers at Cornell have been threatened.
1: Yeah, and especially I it, with, yeah. The one, so with the of ceremony, they don't. It, it appears like Cornell doesn't want people to say bad things about them, or this is a huge celebration that they put so much effort into. Um, they've built new roads, again, this new memorial, um, flags everywhere, and they're so proud of the 150th. And the last thing they really want is to have students come and say, hey, Cornell, we know you're awesome, but you're also kind of shitty.
0: Yeah, and so... Students have been threatened with possible jail time Mm -hmm. and like uh, absurd um, allegations and faculty have also rallied um, for the students and everyone's been very upset and disappointed. And so for one thing, like, so the reason why this rally, when this rally happened, they had to be very surreptitious because they're afraid of being shut down. Mm -hmm. And I remember I found it a couple of hours before and I texted Liz, like, um, (laughs) can you come out? And Liz was stuck in the lab. And I think this ended up being this really interesting conversation for about us about what What is the place of us as academics in relation to advocacy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can, I wasn't really sure what to do about that. I was, I got the message and I was in lab and I was doing an experiment and I didn't want to leave, but I felt very guilty about it because I've talked about it. I, I'm, I feel like I'm very connected to the struggle. But then, I also have a very present struggle, which is I need to graduate,, yeah. right. I have science I need to do, and I can't actually just stop doing my research once I start, well, at least with some of the experiments that I do and And I have to also admit that while I wanted to be out there, there was this way in which I felt great it felt great to have an excuse. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> darn it, I just missed you
0: <laughs> it's because
1: okay. no, but but. But because there's this fear of, well, what do I do? Like when I get out there, what does that feel like? Um, Who's going to come by and see me? Um, Is this going to have any effect not only on my status at Cornell, but in terms of getting a job later on? Mm -hmm. I mean, I clearly, I don't know if that's really relevant, but it's definitely something that we all think about. How How do I present myself? And is there any repercussions for me in terms of my future?
0: Mm-hmm. A friend of ours once mentioned that grad- graduate students can be a very frightened population, and mm-hmm. I think that's really true. Like we, we sometimes feel like we're very vulnerable. Um, I definitely, it was. It's interesting. I would say that this that I only really got ended up going to these types of events maybe like this past year. Like before that, like it took me a long time to like think of activism as something that I could be engaged in at mm-hmm. all as an ally or as a protester. What
1: well, made you change your stance?
0: Many years. Like I guess the thing is, like it was easier for me to start getting to critical, to thinking critically through ideas and like thinking in my social circle and like, like for example, I study um, race, gender, and sexuality and power mm-hmm. in the nineteenth century, and I think it's very connected to today. And it seemed really with um, some of the really disappointing legal decisions that we've seen, for. Um, Eric Garner and and so many other lives that have been lost um, that have been covered by the Black Lives Matter movement. That this is so connected to what I study, and so I think the first um, protest that I went to was in the fall. Oh dear, it was down at the Ithaca courthouse, and it was um, a Black Lives Matter rally, and that was the first time I'd ever gone to one of these things. And, and I was, was scared. It, that one
1: was, was related to a local event, right? yeah but um, it was like
0: it was a local event but I mean, for, like police
1: interactions within Ithaca not in reference to you know Garner or Mike Brown right? I think it
0: was it was like well there were definitely pictures of Garner and, um, okay. Mike, or at least Mike Brown I think I remember seeing those pictures um there and because I sort of saw this interconnected struggle on both a local and a national level mm-hmm. but I remember going down I was being scared like I, I didn't think of myself as someone who would do that sort of thing and then I found myself doing that and then later um, one of the black undergraduate student groups on campus organized a die-in at uh, one of the engineering um, halls at mm-hmm. Duffield, And I was like, I see this on Facebook, I should just go. It's only gonna take like less than half an hour of my time. It's the least I can do to show up and um, show some type of solidarity. And it was funny, because I remember I was talking to an undergrad afterwards who was like, oh wow, you're just like such a big political person. I was, actually, I was like, actually no, I've only just started doing this. And what I think is interesting, I think like the bar for participation sometimes feels like it's so high mm-hmm. when it actually isn't. But it is, but at the same time, like, I think emotionally it t- does take a lot. Because um, I knew it was the right thing to do before, but I was also scared. Yeah. And uncertain.
1: Yeah, I'm still scared. Um, actually, I, I mean, this is an interesting point, because you mentioned that you study gender and sexuality. And for me, I don't study anything near that. So, so I just am black. I don't study anything that involves black culture or I, I, I actually personally struggle with that because I think it's an unspoken kind of norm that in the sciences you talk about science you talk about your facts you talk about your research and sometimes you don't even talk about that mm-hmm. there is this huge gap between public communication science communication mm-hmm. and what people do in the research and then some people think that you should only be talking about your research or doing your research talking about it at a conference. So always being academic and that any type of communication with the public is boarding on science policy and just being political. Mm-hmm.
0: How do they? How do scientists expect that type of knowledge to get out in the world then? Do they just hope that good science journalists will pick up on things and publicize it?
1: I think people are becoming more privy to this mm-hmm. and there are definitely more faculty who are becoming less camera shy. But... Just and again, this isn't from my personal experience, but the other some some students I know have a harder time with this, and I just think there is no there's no concern for whether it gets out or not. Mm-hmm. It's like that's not my job. It's kind of the mentality. Or the other thing to consider is that as a graduate student, there's even more pressure to only do research mm-hmm. because some people feel that if you're not in lab all day every day. Then you're not doing your job well. Like the grad school culture is one in which you should always be working nonstop.
0: I think to go back to um, us and the, the Black Lives Matter rally, like I have to acknowledge, like obviously my own privilege that I didn't have to be in lab, but also I'm not um, trying to go for the same graduation deadline as you, so I have that type of freedom. But also, um, there's this interesting thing that was posted by Son of Baldwin, which is this really um, this guy who runs this really great. Um, of anti-racism, anti-sexism, uh, sort of media account. Mm-hmm. And he pointed out, he went to this, I think this organizing rally in Detroit, and they're talking about like the best strategy when you're um, doing a march is you put your white allies first, then the Asians, then Native Americans, and then um, the black activists in the very middle. It's very they,
1: specific.
0: Yeah, because they found that because they'll do that, they're, um, the police are less likely to want to attack the white people and then the Asians and so forth. And that they, they said hot. that they actually saw examples that like, People, the police would push past the white and Asian people to try and get to the black people and hit them. But oh. but there's a way in which, like, my privilege, I, I am in a position of more privilege and less vulnerability than you. Um.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and then I, I do know also that when there are issues that don't particularly involve me, so... Um, I am black, but I'm also a, I know now the term, thank you, Zion. I am a cisgendered heterosexual woman. And mm. so I know that a lot of LGBTQ things don't, I, they have no stand in them, really. But I find that I am much more likely or much more at ease talking about those issues because they're not issues that, like, personally affect me mm. in my personal life just because.
0: So you don't feel like you have to speak on behalf of a group of people? Is that no, I'm like, saying the opposite. I'm saying oh,
1: okay. that I, when I do speak, and I was just giving this example, mm-hmm. that because I'm not in that community, I am more likely to stand up and say something. Oh, yes, like
0: as an ally. It's
1: much easier for me to walk in a parade or to do something in support of, mm-hmm. just in terms of the internal tension, whereas when it's about me or even if are lab members or someone else saying something... And I guess this goes back to Black Lives Matter. I, I recognize my own privilege in being, to, in having like two Ivy League degrees. Mm-hmm. I, I recognize that, and that there are some ways in which the struggles that people are talking about are probably struggles that I personally don't have to deal with at the moment. But I have family, mm-hmm. and I, I I do deal with some of those things, and it actually really does affect me. And um, but I do what I struggle with is. Because I'm not in the sphere right now. So, and I mean by not in the sphere, it's not like I'm living in this particular community at the moment. I'm literally in an ivory tower right now. Literally in an ivory tower, sorry. And I hear people who don't understand. So, I understand, and I hear people who don't understand, and I don't know how to effectively go, hey, that's not actually right. Hey, Mm -hmm. that this is not the, these people aren't what you think you are. It's like really hard to listen to people. Because a lot of times I feel like I get dismissed, or I only have so much bandwidth, and I end up not—I mean, I just stop fighting because there's too much to fight. Mm
0: -hmm. I would say that, um, though, that there was that um, African American woman professor—I can't remember where it was exactly—who was stopped by campus police in Arizona, and she was like beaten by the by the campus police for jaywalking. Oh,
1: she wasn't beaten or like she was handcuffed and. she actually got a felony charge, and I, I think it might have been lifted. I, I don't remember. But she was given a charge because uh, her dress flew up. And so the op- she was handcuffed at mm. this point. So the officer tried to lower her dress. But as an instinctive reflex, she ended up kicking yeah. him. because yeah. Yeah, and so he, she was charged for, like, f- hitting an officer.
0: Yeah, and so, like, I guess this is sort of silly, but, like, the way I think about being an ally is also about, you know, just being a good friend. It's not like, I'm going to be an ally to you, Liz, but like, yeah. how am I going to be a good friend to you? And the, like cases like that scare me because it makes me feel like even though you say like you are in a position of relative privilege, like that sort of privilege and respectability wasn't able to save other people.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Well, to Well, that's the scary part. And that's what the part when I talk to people. So I recognize my privilege just because I, I'm trying to be transparent. Mm-hmm. But also, it helps me play, plant the case that even with my privilege, it's not enough. Yeah. And it also, I really don't like it when people participate in respectability yes, politics. Yes, so the yes. idea that I, if I'm extremely good, I will, none, none of this racism will ever affect me. And that's just not true. And when I, again, so when I tell people I have privilege, it's to then say, you know me now, this stuff can still happen even to me and this is a fear it's a it's a fear that I actually try not to become too comfortable (laughs) maybe that sounds horrible it's like I don't want to ever be comfortable with this privilege because I know that this privilege doesn't extend nearly as much as I as other people think it does Mm -hmm. because I've seen examples and and other like small like microaggressions in my life to know that I could be that professor I can be stopped um there's lots of things that can happen to me that may not happen to other people. And having education from the highest, you know, institutions, most well-regarded places don't stop me from, they don't make me immune to racism.
0: Similarly, like, of course, we could say that historically, that's how east asians in particular have been constructed as the model minority Mm -hmm. that if we play Mm -hmm. the respectability politics game we'll be the quote unquote good people of color which is implicitly anti-black and actually explicitly anti-black in the way that the the term model minority was was coined but now i think we're really seeing like a lot of asians who are trying to fight it back against that with things like Agents for Black Lives. Mm-hmm. And there's been really good um, responses from grassroots community organizations like CAAV in response to the shooting of um, Ake Gurley um, by Peter Liang in New York City. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that peop- yes. Yes, and people that like being like, we can't rally to Peter Liang's side just because he's Chinese. We need to have justice for Ake Gurley. We have to have Agents for Black Lives. We have to use mm-hmm. our position of relative privilege in this racial hierarchy mm-hmm. to advocate and be allies um, to other people of color. And yeah. I think that's been uh, really inspiring to see and also it's been interesting and difficult uh, territory to, to manage because as we've seen with like our discussion of Fresh Off the Boat, there's a way that um, sometimes we end up, might, we might end up appropriating the, the struggles of others.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually think your, your comment about um, the Asians and the min- model minority myth and in ways in which they use this and then yet again they're just... Um, distancing distancing themselves from black people is really accurate. I mean, I'm I'm just thinking about how lots of, in academics, lots of programs are geared towards helping minorities. Mm -hmm. And I frequently see Asian students, and I'm being very broad here, so East Asian, South Mm -hmm. Asian, who will say, oh, no, I'm not a minority. None of that's for me. Like, I don't need a hand... Oh, they'll say, I don't need a handout. It's like they they... distance themselves from that and and i'm looking at them and going you know you are a minority you are a minority um if you make up half the engineering department but there's only like four percent of you in the professoriate yeah like that's a problem there is a ceiling for you or there are ways in which you're being fetishized there are ways in which there are other things that are happening to you and you're not letting, you're not saying anything about that because you're getting this academic benefit mm-hmm. where, or there are times where something happened. Let's say something happens on campus or someone's like, I get a racial slur yelled at me or, um, actually I remember this one time, I know I'm jumping stories, but there's this one time in undergrad where this Asian woman, we were talking and she mentioned that she's walking home and these group of white guys started yelling her ching chang chong like all and actually just followed her throughout this entire walk so it's about four blocks wow and I said are you going to say something this is not okay and then she said no and you know I was really perplexed by that and I wanted to know why and it's because well I need to be good I'm not going to make a big deal out of this um I'm just going to lay low and just ride this wave and just keep going and Mm -hmm. I think that it, she didn't say it explicitly, but from that experience and others I've had, it's like if I say something, I'm gonna be like black people who yeah. are always complaining, right? Yeah. Who are always saying this. And then overall, it's not helpful because now it, it makes it look like black people are the only ones who have these issues when really it's, that's yeah. not the case at all. It's just one group or other groups are distanced and um, they're told not to complain
0: either yeah. okay. by their
1: parents or society.
0: We're being, basically, often Asians are being used as a wedge against black people, like, why can't you be, like, these good minorities, mm-hmm. or, um, I think it's, I know. And I think the it's Asians really, are
1: like, well, I'm not going to complain. Yeah,
0: I think it's really insidious, like, I think we really see this coming up in dis- discussions about affirmative action, where you'd be like, well, what, but oh, Asians right. are being, like, reverse discriminated against, and, like, actually, it's much more complicated than that, mm-hmm. um. And it's been really kind of embarrassing to see that happen, to be quite frank. Um, There's this really interesting study that I think came out of California that showed that um, with people who were trying to look at affirmative action versus um, like the quote unquote, true meritocracy of scores, Mm -hmm. that white people were more likely to um, support meritocracy until they realize that Asians would be outscoring them and more yes, likely to like this. affirm like affirmative action until they realize, like you know, like there's this way that they, there's different shifting scales of prejudice that people just turn to in order to try to, try to affirm their own beliefs. So meritocracy right. itself is not some pure objective ideal. Obviously people are just mm-hmm. not happy with it when they don't get the results they like. They just right. shift so to different criteria. So when it's solely
1: about grade, I think the study, if it's solely about grades and numbers um, that tends to give a, an advantage to Asians. Mm-hmm. So when it so when it's between whites and blacks, they may say, like, oh, it should only be about the numbers. We shouldn't care about any, like, work ethic or programs or any clubs that you yeah. do. But then when they realize it gives Asians an advantage over them, then they then they start to shift more towards, no, merit does matter. And, like, yeah. effort and passion. And they're like, oh, the Asians, they, they study
0: really hard, but they're not actually that creative. And right. they don't have leadership skills. Right. And so, oh, who does this end up favoring, this middle ground?
1: Hmm. Right. Yeah, it's, I, I wish I had a better... A better sense of what to say or honestly when i see young kids it's not like i'm old but when i see undergrads <laughs> these days no I, I mean i'm looking at them and go and thinking like recognize your age in this you're mm-hmm. not like recognize your your stance in the system don't be used and and i say that with a grain of salt because i i i don't know I think I that like I can't. I don't know if I can say something.
0: Yeah, so and I, I'd also think. say like self recognition of privilege is like part I think of being a good ally. Like I think that there's a, a pat sort of way that nowadays people are like oh you recognize your privilege and then what like it just makes me feel bad and that's not the point. It's about using your privilege in relation to others to like help advocate for other people, but also knowing when to step the fuck down <laughs> and you have to listen to <laughs> other people and not just speak on their behalf. And I think that's something that's been very difficult. um sometimes for people to figure out, because we're so used to being me-centered and individual-centered, that Mm -hmm. um, using yourself to make space for other people and knowing when to be quiet, I think would be really hard. And I think that for all of us, and I know for myself, is definitely a struggle. And I think it's something we also see in in circles of advocacy. Sometimes it's very easy to point fingers at people and say that Mm -hmm. they're not up to our standard. And I think it's important to um, make sure that there's always this process of critique. But also, I think, and this maybe comes out of me having teaching experience, like you never want to shut people down. You have to realize that everyone, like no one, has been a, like a completely good person at any sort of point. Like yeah. everyone's in in a process of learning, and at least with my teaching, I try to take try to take everyone at whatever stage they come at and try to lead them along.
1: Yeah, and to go back a little bit, realizing what stage people are at is also why I struggle with talking about social issues that directly involve me, because I get so passionate about it mm-hmm. that all of a sudden I'm yelling. <laughs> And then nobody's listening if you're li- if you're yelling, yeah. Like they they're like, oh, you're victimizing me. I'm like, no, I'm just right. And then that's not a good conversation. Yeah, but the problem Even is like I at the same right.
0: time we don't want to devalue the yelling because that's also sometimes an important tactic and like any sort of form of protest as well. Like it's not irrational. Sometimes it's the only recourse you have. Mm-hmm. And it's the most logical extension of it. But I think it's I don't know. I think it's just a really difficult. Uh, part of nego- negotiating yourself and your relationship mm-hmm. to others, and it's taken me a long time to get to this point. Um, I used to be very self-centered. I'm probably still a bit self-centered.
1: But How are you self-centered?
0: I used to be very arrogant. I was totally believed in this um, meritocracy myth of meritocracy. Um, I remember, like, I was like this kid that, like, in grade five, was like, "I'm not a feminist. I just believe in egalitarianism." <laughs> you know, I was. Mm-hmm. I guess also. I very much thought of myself as being a white guy. Really? Yeah, like, I don't know. I I just consumed so much media about it that like that was sort of my default position. Like it took me a long time to like study any writers of color. And then I studied African-American writers before I studied any Asian-American writers, Mm -hmm. for example. Um, And so that was a very difficult process of coming to realization about myself. It was to the point, this is really embarrassing, but in my last year of undergrad, I was taking a theory class and I actually told the class that I thought of myself intellectually as more of a man than a woman because I was, had that type of gendered assumption about what intellect truly was so ingrained in me that I thought myself that I was more mentally like a man
1: than a woman. Huh. And what was the response? I'm actually curious, did anyone call? No, I that? think people
0: were like, oh, well, also we didn't really do an adequate job on any feminist or queer theory at that point. It took me like years, uh, yeah, a while later that I had to come through this whole painful process of recognizing myself. And yeah, I think it's something that I'm still going through. But I think it also lets me have some perspective that when I see people who are coming from that space of of a type of closed-mindedness or, like, an inability to think out of a particular position, like, I've been there. I've been that person that has been that closed-minded or thought that, like, race and other things were, like, totally peripheral to a serious object of study.
1: When I was an undergrad, this is actually what I... I was a part of the Race Dialogue Project. And what we did was we had race dialogues uh-huh. with people. We would. We were more of a planning group than anything, actually. So we would plan these activities. So black and Asian like relations, like mm-hmm. a meeting about that. We talked about class. We talked about race. My first event, I'm actually very proud of this. Our oh. first event was called White Week. And it was literally talking about whiteness in America. And I was... That's fantastic. I was on Locust Walk handing out flyers to people about White Week. And it was really interesting to see the confused faces because most people thought it was... Um, we're all white for some charity. Like, uh-huh. nope. Call and talk about being white. And it was really awesome. I just, the one thing I remember from that particular event was this girl came. It was a white girl. And then she said, oh, like, I don't really think of myself as white. I think of myself as, you know, just wherever I am, whatever mm-hmm. I'm doing, whoever I am, that's what I think of myself yeah. as. Like, I'm a swimmer and I'm this and I'm this. I'm like, that's the point. and and that you can't some minorities often don't have that ability to switch personalities or not personalities you're always the same person but switch um which characteristic or activity is your dominant identifier Mm -hmm. and and in this issue of what people don't know they don't know that's really hard if they knew they didn't know it that'd be different but they often don't know that there's something that they don't know
0: yeah and i feel like that was the position i used to be in which is that like i I realized racism existed, and I think I was better about issues of race than I was about gender when I was younger, but at the same time, I really did want to believe like this thing that I could be just the things that I want to do as opposed to what other people want to impose on me, or like the the histories that come along with that like I also wanted to believe in this um
1: post racial vision um, of individualism. Mm-hmm. Now, I knew that very early on that that was not true mm-hmm. but again, it was for me, it was more of a dismantling than a. Um for me it was I knew what things were and I just didn't believe it. And mm-hmm. I wanted to just convince everyone else about me that wasn't true. Or that, you know, race didn't actually I- identify which you could be in life. I remember I moved around a lot. I went to an all black school from first grade to the middle of third grade. And then in the middle of third grade I went to an all white school. So it was like a switch, overnight switch. And So I'm the same person. I'm actually in the same state. The only difference is the demographics and the things that changed just blew my mind. And so it was a really early awareness for me of how things are different and how it wasn't me, but there was something else about the system that was Mm -hmm. going on. And I think being able to always distance myself and say, this is not real. This is not what's really happening, really helped me in my identity. And then I also try to help people think of that. I think sometimes people have to live that experience. They have to go out and see something different.
0: It's so much easier for people to think of these issues as being about bad individuals as opposed to systems. Right. Like there's almost a like, sad hope and optimism. Like if only it's just the bad people, then we can somehow fix it as opposed to having to overturn society.
1: Or like, to say that the people who are having bad things happen to them did something horrible. Yes, yeah. And, and that's just not true. A lot of these people work very hard and they try very hard and they, they also, they love their children. They love their families. Um, they're not actually that different from you. I think small town America is hilarious because you go to small town America, you go to small town Ohio and they're like, oh, we're just small, we're just good country, like Christian people who just love everybody else and we're so kind and like, oh, we don't know about those other people. We don't know what they're thinking. And it's like, you go to small town like New York, small town Pennsylvania, small town, any other state and they'll say the same thing. And it's like, you don't realize how close you guys really are. Mm Literally, your accent's a little different and you might eat spaghetti instead of (laughs) like chicken or something. But but you're the same. You're saying the same things, the same community standards, the same. It's just kind of funny in hindsight. But how to bring that into my professionalism as a Ph.D. student, as someone who'll have a degree, who wants to continue doing cancer research and interacting, I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. I don't know what that space is. This is a start as doing a podcast, but I'm also secretly hoping my advisor never listens to this. I'll mm-hmm. be honest. I'm like, please don't listen to this. Please don't let, you know, let me get, I want to get a job first before anyone of that nature listens to it.
0: Mm-hmm. On the flip side, of course, this is sort of like related to the things I study. And, and so I see it as an extension of like my pedagogy that like whatever I can do to, to help in little ways, Like, Mm -hmm. it seems to me that we have to do it on multiple fronts, not enough just to do research at the academy. You have to also teach, you have to also do outreach. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's like very multifaceted in that way.
1: Yeah, and you know, I actually just thought about something that I like physics and I also liked studying, like I like sociology and I think in another world I could have very well, and I, I considered it in college switching to do sociology instead because all the things I did outside of class were pointing towards that. Mm-hmm. But what really kept me in physics was one, at the end of the day, I still loved what I was doing, but the second thing is I actually thought I could have a better voice by just doing physics and yeah. by being myself Yes. and yes. Just, just existing. Yeah. I thought it was a way better thing than to just study it and then say, hey, people, look, I did a study that proves that, or just being myself and going, I am, I'm me. And I think it
0: does. I mean, sometimes
1: just our own survival and self-care can be an act of
0: resistance in itself.
1: hmm Let's hope so. Yeah. The verdict is still out. So, we're going to wrap up here. Um, thank you for listening. Thank yeah. you for being an advocate in, of our show.
0: And you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. And it was great having you listen with us again. I'm Zain Yao. And this is Liz Wayne. Goodbye.